I want to um, begin today just by reading a couple of scriptures, and we're just going to just talk then, if that's okay. I want to read um, scripture. I want to read Ephesians 6, um, verse 18. Ephesians 6, in this part of um, Ephesians, the Apostle Paul's writing, and he's talking about our armor and putting on the armor of God. I think you have some kind of notion of that, and that we are spiritual beings, and that Um, God has equipped us to live in this world because we're living in enemy territory. Um, There is a God, a little G God of this world who is not our God. He broke into this world and he, through our God, broke into this world through his son Jesus and he he wrecked the powers who were in authority here. But those powers who were in authority are still living as outlaws here on planet Earth and they're wreaking havoc and they're um, just causing a great big mess. And we here are God's representatives living in really hostile territory. As um, the Bible says, as soldiers. The Bible says we're here on assignment from heaven as his representatives. And while we're here, we're not just um, vulnerable. We are actually clothed with the armor of God. And so this passage in Ephesians talks about the armor of God, and it gets down to the very last part of it, and that's, that's the part I want to read today. It's interesting to think this is part of our armor, and it says in verse 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Do you know part of what sustains us, what protects us, what keeps us in this world is prayer? And, um, you know, I don't know about you, sometimes I read scriptures like this and I go, oh, come on, God, what are you thinking here? To say something like praying always. Praying always. So it's not just praying every once in a while, praying when the church has special days of prayer, praying on a Sunday morning, um, you know, praying when I get up in the morning or when I go to bed at night. Whatever my habit is, it's not that. It's praying always. Praying always, all the time. Praying. Praying always and, and praying how? With all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. So that's interesting, all prayer. So there, all prayer, all prayer, all kinds of prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Being watchful, so part of it's watching to this end. This is kind of a complicated scripture. With perseverance, that, that's not a word we really like perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Now let's read um, 1 Timothy chapter 2. Paul's writing here to Timothy and giving him some instruction. And he says in verse 1, this instruction's for you today too. He says, I urge you, first of all, so we saw back in Ephesians 6 to pray, you know, pray always. And now he's telling us, first of all, what should you do first? Pray. So first of all, to pray, pray for all people. In the New Living, it says that this way, pray for all people, ask God to help them, to intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. So here we are, we're praying always and now we're praying first of all and, and we're praying Interceding. The other verse talked about praying with prayer, all prayer and supplication. Now let's go to Matthew 6 and some verses there. These are very familiar because um, this is what was the response of Jesus when his followers said to him, teach us to pray. So when Jesus' disciples said, hey, how do you think we should be praying here? And uh, won't you teach us to pray? And Jesus taught them to pray in Matthew 6, verses, these verses. He says, in this manner, therefore pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So this is what Jesus said um, when they asked him, how do we pray? So I just want to talk about some things from these verses for a few minutes, and then we may read some other verses, but I just kind of wanted to put those out there. And I want to talk to you a little bit about prayer. I want to talk to you about prayer because it's been so very strong in my heart for the last weeks, weeks and weeks and weeks. Um, the realization that 
what you and me need to be doing right now is praying. And you say, well, well, Susie, how can you say that? Well, number one, I can say it because God inspired the Apostle Paul to write and say, praying always. And he inspired him to write to Timothy and say, first of all, pray. So just based on the authority of the word, I can say to you, it is the will of God for you to pray. For you to pray always. And for you to pray first. And um, one of the things that's, that's interesting to me, just in my own spiritual life, is how often that I neglect to do what I know to do. Am I the only one? You neglect to do what it is you know to do? Like you've been trained well, you've been taught, you know scripture, you're not a spiritual novice, but yet, like, it seems like the biggest problem I have is that I neglect to do what I know to do. And one thing that I know very well to do is to pray. But yet, I don't always pray and I don't, all, and I don't pray first, necessarily. And so I'm thinking, it's just my suspicion. I could be wrong. But it's my suspicion that if I'm that way, that there could be a couple of people here that are in the same boat. So for you, I'm talking to you today. I'm helping you out. The rest of you, take a nap. But uh, if you don't necessarily always pray and you neglect to pray first at times, then maybe this is for you today. But I have a sneaky suspicion it might be more than a couple of us. Look at your neighbor and say, is that you? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Uh, You probably already know about your neighbor. Okay. That praying always and to pray first. Y'all, I'm just got to tell you something. You and me have no idea, really, how critical it is that we pray. How vital it is, not just for us, but for the people around us and even for the kingdom. How important, how vital it is that we pray. And oftentimes I think we see prayer as something that we do when we have a need, when we're hurting, when we, you know, are feeling like we should do our Christian duty, whatever it is, and we don't understand the role that we, we carry in the earth as people who can pray, people who are charged and admonished again and again to pray. We don't recognize the role that we have to pray. Um, several weeks ago, we had a love feast, and at our love feast, we um, studied scriptures in Acts. I remember this, Acts 2, and basically looking at the components of the early church. What are the bare essentials that the early church practiced that we should have today? And one of those essential elements of church was prayer. It talked about how they broke bread together, how they continued in the apostles' doctrine, but they prayed. Prayer was just an essential, vital part. And even in church services, oftentimes prayer is um, can become something where it's just like a transition from one part of the service to the other. Like, do we just pray so that the the worship team can come on the platform? Do we just pray because we got to somehow another end the worship and start some other part? Or it's the end of the service, maybe we should just pray here. Or, you know, we even have names. We have, you know, benediction. That's, you know, we pray that and we pronounce this blessing and we leave it. And I'm not saying those things are wrong, but it's almost like prayer just becomes sort of a tradition or it becomes... Um, just something that's prescribed to do at a certain time. Just like maybe you were raised, maybe if you were fortunate, you were raised before you go to bed, let's say our prayers. How many of you had that? Or you have little kids and you're raising your kids and you say, let's say our prayers. It's almost like just sort of a function or a a tradition or, or something that's prescribed that we do at a certain time. And nothing is wrong with that. In fact, I think all of those things are good and you should do those. But... The way that Paul wrote about it, it seemed like prayer was a little more than that. That prayer was something that we would continually do. And that it's something we would do first. And it's something that would be such a constant, ongoing part of our lives that we wouldn't think about prayer as like, okay, now we're going to pray. That it would be a continual conversation that we're having with God. Because prayer is communicating with God. It's talking to him. It's um, requesting things from him. 
But prayer is more than just that. And that's the part I want to talk about today. I want to talk about our part of um, prayer and with working with God in the earth and in the circumstances and situations that we see on planet earth. Now we have, I have kind of this mindset. I don't, I don't know how you really feel about yourself as far as your role in the world around you, but I have this idea of myself. Um, and it's based in scripture that wherever I go, God goes. And that where, you know, like if I go into something, God has now come into it. And I'm not saying God was not there. I mean, God is, is essentially everywhere. But he comes there in a very tangible way because he's in me. His presence is in me and upon me. So when I come into something, God just came in there. Y'all, y'all, y'all understand what I'm saying? I understand that I'm his representative. I'm his ambassador, that I'm following him. So there, there, for me, I have a strong sense that where I go, God has come. I have brought him. I brought his kingdom. I brought his power. I, 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 and not only have I brought him, but I've, I've come to bring representation of him, meaning that I can introduce people to him. I can tell people about him. And so, and so from that understanding of my identity and being in him and him and me, then the, another part of it is that I, I see that whenever someone comes into a relationship with me, that now they have a greater connection to God. And, I, and this is what I'm saying. If you are already connected to God, when you come into a relationship with me, because I'm connected to God, my role in your life will be to strengthen your connection to God. It will be to exhort you to continue to follow him and to know him. It will be to encourage you, you know, in your faith, but it'll also be to challenge you to pursue him in a greater way. So if you know him, and and you come in, you know, and you have a relationship with me, my role is to help you to know him more. But if you don't know him, you just found yourself in a really good spot. Because if you don't know him, I do. And so if you know me, if you come into a relationship with me, a friendship, any kind of a, a relationship, if you don't know the Lord but you know me, you're in a really good spot to know the Lord because he's in me and I represent him and I know him and, and what's on my heart and my mind and what's going on with me is helping you to know him. That doesn't mean I'm like standing over you preaching and all that. It just means that I'm showing you who he is. Jesus, one of the reasons Jesus came was to show us the father Hebrews tells us that Jesus came as the express image of God because people that don't know God, they have to come to know him. And one way they can come to know him is by knowing us. So when I meet people now, you know, if Chris here doesn't know the Lord, well, I'm going to tell you, it's a really good thing for you that you know me. Not because I'm so great, but because I know him and he's in me suddenly now your opportunity to know him has increased dramatically. You see that? And not only that, your opportunity to experience him has really just increased. No longer is he just going to be a theory or a guy the book talks about or somebody, you know, that that some people are believe in but you don't. Suddenly now you've got to deal with a person who's representing him. And not that I'm like, yes, yeah, I don't mean that at all. But I just know if, if I'm living in union with him and conducting myself the way that I, I should as a Christian and the script, and scripture admonishes me to, then you're going to come to know him through knowing me. You see that? So, no, that's not just true for me because I'm Pastor Susie. This is true for you because you are a believer and a follower of him. And so because we are believers and followers of him, this is what it means to be a disciple. It means I'm like him. It means I represent him. It means wherever I go, he goes. So what, what does that mean now in context when we're talking about prayer? Here is what's really awesome. Is if you come into a relationship with me or a friendship or, you know, I, you're introduced to me or, or I, you know, you come across my pathway in life as I go through the world... 
I have been now admonished to pray always and to pray first. And some of the words that were mentioned in these scriptures, one of the words that was mentioned was this word intercession. Intercession. Anybody ever heard this word? It's kind of, it's not a word we use a lot. Intercede. But intercession means to stand between two parties with the intention of bringing them together. And it would be like, um, Eddie, why don't you stand here? And Billy, do you mind standing over here? Y'all, doesn't Billy look like it's the middle of the summer? (laughs) Billy, it's December. But I understand it's over a warm day. So here's Eddie over here. He's here and he doesn't know Billy. And there's Billy. Billy's over here and he doesn't know Eddie. And so there they are, and they're just bumbling around through life. You know, uh, here here it is. And in this case, I'm going to make Billy God. See what I did there, Eddie? And Eddie's bumbling through life. He's lost, which is not very difficult, if you know Eddie, to imagine. And so, for those of you who don't know, Eddie's my older brother. (laughs) I have a whole lot to get back at him for. Remember the time that you built the fort? You put me in the fort to test the fort? Let's move that along. Okay, I was just saying. Good job, Matt. You're looking out for him. Eddie was bu- Eddie's bumbling through life. Billy is God. And so here we are. Now, uh, if they were just two people, the intercession works if they were just two people, and I bring them together, I have interceded with them. And then through my connection, through, you see this? So you know what I did? I just interceded. All right, now y'all go back over there. Quit holding hands. Okay, now... We got God over here. We got Eddie over here. When I intercede, see, here's what happens. Eddie's bumbling through life. He's, he's trapped in darkness. The Bible says the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. His whole world's in darkness. So that's where Eddie is. His eyes are blinded because, of, because that's what the enemy's done. This is, this is a lost person. Their eyes are blinded. They're, they're in this, this space of not knowing the Lord. They're deceived. They're, they're in a bad spot. They're living under the curse. All these things are happening and they're not really sure why they're happening. They're trying to make sense of life. They're groping. The Bible says that, that lost people are groping in darkness. They're trying to find their way. That's where we all were, guys. Every one of us. That's where we were born. Dead in our trespasses and sins. So that, there you go. Okay. But then here's God. Right here. And he's full of goodness and grace and mercy. And his objective is to save you and to bring you into relationship with himself so that he can know you, so he can flood your life with his goodness, and so that he can fill you with himself and change you and make you a whole new person created in his image and likeness. Okay. But you're over there in darkness. See, God has given us and assigned us the task Uh, Every one of us that know him, we have the task, because we're like him, we have the task to go forth from him and bring people to him. And I think we have some understanding of that. That's what we mean when we talk about giving life. That's what we mean when we talk about reaching people or all of the things that we talk about so much. But there's another part, not just me going to him and, you know, blah, blah, preaching, giving him the gospel, sharing, showing him the goodness. There's another part, and it's the part of interceding. And that part is where I bring Eddie in prayer before God. So I'm interceding, and I'm standing in this gap that is between them. And I'm saying to God on Eddie's behalf, I'm pleading his case. I'm saying um, on Eddie's behalf, This is a man that I know that you want to be saved. This is a man that I know that you want to be in right relationship with you. Here's a man that I know you want to work in his life. And so I entreat you. I petition you. I call on you. And I say, God, reach out to Eddie and draw him. Because no man comes to Jesus unless the Father draws him. And so uh, draw him to yourself. Um, deliver him from this darkness that he's in. Open the blindness of his eyes. Bring other laborers across his path. <laughs> Billy couldn't take it anymore. <laughs> you see? And I'm standing in the gap, and I'm bringing him to you. So, yes, I take God. And we talk about this a lot, about taking God to people. But what about bringing people to God? 
And the way we bring them to God is through prayer, through intercession. Thank you, guys. So that's what I'm talking about, this standing in the standing in the gap and bringing people to God. I want to talk about that today because you and me in the days that are ahead, we got a lot of work to do when it comes to bringing people to God. Not just taking God to people, but bringing people to God. And let me tell you something. I think that we've put a lot of effort into taking God to people without first of all, what did, what did, let's go back to first Timothy. Pray, intercede. So it seems like in this situation that's happening in our lives, this ministry that we all have as believers, that the first step is to pray and to intercede. And then if you keep reading on down, see, here's what, are y'all, is it up there? Yeah, yeah. And then go down to verse, um, is it three or four? Just keep going down. Yes, is good. Who wants everyone to be saved. So before salvation comes to the lost, the first thing is the intercession. But I think a lot of times we never even think of that. We skip right along past that. We don't even recognize that there is something that we need to do because we're so geared up to maybe go to them that we haven't considered that first of all, we need to bring them to God in prayer. That is intercession. Okay? So I want you to think about this today. Now let's just, let's just take a moment. Today we're sitting here. You've just been through the holidays. Perhaps you saw your family. Perhaps you didn't get to see your family or some loved ones. Perhaps maybe you had an opportunity, but you really, you didn't take advantage of it because of some reason. Maybe you have situations, circumstances with people. Maybe people you work with. Maybe old friends that are not friends anymore. You know, everybody, it seems, has somebody in their life that's kind of like a person that if, if they could avoid them, they would. Think about it. Is there someone that's kind of like, kind of a problem for you in some way or another? Or, if maybe that doesn't apply, is there someone that you look at their life and you really wish things could be different with them? Maybe they struggle, struggle with an addiction or some other ha- habitual sin. Maybe they have a, um, maybe they're just a person who's incredibly unpleasant and mean and rude. And maybe it's a person that's just firmly committed and, in, you know, to a sinful life and they're entrenched in that and don't seem to want another way. I mean, do you, can you think of anyone that you know, anyone on your radar at all that would follow, that if today I said, Today, the Lord is here and he wants to change anyone that you know he wants to change who would be on your short list. Do you have anybody on your short list? I mean, if you don't, I can give you some names from mine. (laughs) Do you got anybody on your short list? Okay. Now, what do you do with that? Because I think we spend a whole lot of time trying to deal with that after the flesh. We try to walk in love even towards them. We try to modify our behavior. We, we try to, um, you know, work things out with them in a natural way. We try to negotiate boundaries with them, so to speak. We do a lot of things. Maybe we just ignore them. There are lots of things that we do. Maybe we talk about them and gossip about them. There are many things that we may be doing about that situation. But have we, first of all, prayed? And when we prayed, did we intercede and did we bring them to God? Did we do that? Now, um, one thing I know that I've learned about this whole process of interceding for people um, bringing people to God is not pray in, in intercession is not praying the prayer of faith. Many of you know what I mean when I talk about the prayer of faith. The prayer of faith is when you pray to receive something that the scripture has already promised you or that you know by revelation of the scripture that it already belongs to you. It's something that you don't have to look, for example, peace in the scripture. Jesus said to his followers, peace, I give unto you. Not the peace that the world gives, but my peace I give unto you. This is a scripture. You can go and find this scripture. It's in the Bible. So a prayer of faith would be if you don't have peace, which, you know, is pretty common. You don't have peace and you belong to God. 
and he belongs to you, you can go and turn in the Bible to that verse and you can say, Jesus, you said to us, your followers, you said, peace I give unto you. Not the peace that the world gives, but my peace I give unto you. Now, you said that you were giving it unto me. So right now, I'm really in need of your peace. My peace is not getting the job done. So I just receive from you now peace. And I draw from you that peace that you've given me. I just receive that. And I just ask you to flood that into my life, into my consciousness, into my thinking, into my being. I receive peace from you. And I thank you for it. It's mine. Jesus told me it's mine, so I thank you. Okay, are y'all familiar with this kind of praying? That kind of praying is a prayer of faith. It's where the Bible's promised us something and we receive it. But interceding and bringing someone to God is not the same. I don't just come to God one time and say, um, God, I'm wanting to intervene in Eddie's life. And bring him to you and ask you to draw him to yourself. It's a prayer that I might pray repeatedly over and over. And honestly, there are various circumstances that might get my attention to pray it more fervently or more passionately. And interesting, the scripture talked about praying, persevering in praying. So we're praying and we're persevering in praying. And so it's not the kind of prayer, because here's, here's one reason that we, we would pray it over and over. If God has promised me something, I'm the person who's in charge over my life under the lordship of Jesus. I'm the one who has to say, I made him my Lord, but then from, he's given me free will to choose. So I, I'm making the choices of my own life. So I can receive for me, but I do not have the ability to receive for other people. And so I may have to bring Eddie repeatedly to God until Eddie himself comes to God. And that's really what I'm doing is I'm, I'm dealing with the forces that are keeping Eddie from coming to God. I'm trying to get Eddie to come to God. I'm ministering to him. I'm loving him. I'm showing him Jesus. But I also have to deal with those forces that are keeping Eddie from coming to God. And the, the force, the, what will overwhelm those forces is God's power coming and intervening on Eddie. So I'm really just trying to get Eddie in the flow of God's power. And y'all, we have the ability to do that. I can bring a lost person before God and, and get his attention on them. And I can bring a lost person to God and get his... Um, his, his power working on their behalf in a significant way. Now, does God, is God for every lost person? Absolutely. Does God want every lost person saved? Absolutely. We just read that in the scripture. He wants all people to be saved and to come to know him. That's his will. But there's something about us being on the scene, intervening, standing, just like if there's plenty of lost people who don't have any Christians in their lives who are representing God to them in the same way there's plenty of lost people who don't have anybody speaking on their behalf to the Lord. So they need that. They need you and me to speak on their behalf to the Lord. And I'm going to say this. Not only do lost people need this, saved people need it. And that's where, you know, this whole idea of supplication for all the saints, prayers and supplications that we read in, in Ephesians 6, that's where that comes into play. Because not only does a lost person like Eddie need it, but there are plenty of saved people who don't know much about what it means to know God. Maybe they've, you know, received Jesus as their Savior, but they don't have a vibrant, ongoing, living, breathing, continuous fellowship with God where God is cleaning them out and cleaning them off their minds are being renewed by the word and they're being you know enlightened in their inner man and they're seeing revelation from God for themselves you know this is where most believers are they're they're most believers are saved but they don't necessarily have a thriving very strongly interactive fellowship with the father and so somebody like that I can be, again, a significant contributor to, a contributor to their well-being, and I can be a person who intervenes um, in their behalf with the Lord and, and, and 
you know, help bring them along in the things of God. Now, there are people here that you have family members that are in a fix. And, you know, I have family members that are in a fix. And I'm, I'm going to tell you something about family members in a fix. It just wears you down. Because I, I don't know about you, I have a lot more patience with people that I don't know so well. I, I, I feel like I have a lot more mercy for them. But when it's a family member, I'm like, just come on. What are you doing? Am I the only person here that feels that way? Tell me, tell me. You, you know, you're just like, you, you know better. You've had the same opportunity I have. What are you doing? What's going on? So it's easier, I think, to have the, the mercy on people that you, can, you don't know their story as well. You don't hold them again. Those people can be very difficult to pray for. I'm just being honest with you. It's going to be very difficult to pray for people that you feel like they ought to know better. Why are they in this situation? But y'all, those people need prayer. They need prayer first. We need to be praying for them. We need to pray. And if it's only bringing them before God and just saying something simple like, Father, I lift up my sister to you. Um, and I, I just pray for her. And I pray that you, that you would be first in her life, that she would seek you first. I pray that you would reveal yourself to her, that you would manifest yourself, that she would really come to know you. I mean, it's just, it's just pretty simple, guys. What is it you want? What is it you really desire for that person? And just lift them up and pray in that way for them. And do it today and then do it to, tomorrow and then do it always. And do it first. And to continue to pray. Um, Ephesians, again, I'm quoting things we read earlier. Ephesians talks about watching there and too about watching there's a place for us watching over each other watching for people in our lives you, you know I, I told you a minute ago that when people come into a relationship with me it's a really good thing for them not because I'm so wonderful it has nothing to do with me when people when people happen across my pathway and they become my friend my acquaintance they come into some kind of a relationship with me it is a good thing for them I'm telling y'all, it is a good thing for them. You know why? Because what I said before, they have an access to God that maybe they didn't have before. But, you know, the other part of it is now they have a person who will bring them to God. And intercede on their behalf with the Lord. It's, and this is a game changer, y'all. We don't understand how much power we have. We don't understand how much influence we have. Let me ask you a question. If someone 2,000 years ago was walking along, you know, the shores there, the, Gal uh, uh, the Sea of Galilee, and they happened to cross a guy named Jesus, do you think that would be a good day for them? So we all agree that. Let me ask you this. If maybe they didn't happen, they never had an opportunity to happen, you know, across the path of a guy named Jesus. What about if they happen across the path of a guy named Peter? Would that be a good day for them? That'd be a good day for him. Well, I want you to look around the room because we have Peters all over this room. You know why? Because Peter knew the Lord and he had a relationship with God. And I tell you, the next best thing to having a relationship with God is having a relationship with his people. It's, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. I, I, I'll just give, I'm going to tell you a story. I'm not going to read it in the scripture. There's a story in Genesis, and the story is about um, the first man that God made a covenant with after the Garden of Eden. It's a man named Abram, who we now know as Abraham. And there was a situation with one of Abraham's relatives. He had gotten into some trouble. Have any of your relatives ever gotten into trouble? Have any of your relatives kind of seem like they've chosen a path? Any of your friends, anybody you know, kind of chosen a path that's you're like, that's not a good path for you. Am I the only one that has these relatives? No. 
<laughs> okay. And so this is where Abraham was. He had, he had, he had a, a relative who'd chosen, made a choice to do something and gotten involved um, with some people in a place that there was a lot of darkness. And we don't really know. The Bible isn't that specific about the darkness. But what we know about the place where he was is that it was so awful that the, the sin in this place where he was was so bad that the only way that God could deal with it was to wipe the place off the face of the earth. So it was, it was a bad place. The Bible repeatedly uses these words that, that the cries of this city, over this city, the cries were coming to him. And it really alludes to how God talked about in the scripture that when someone is murdered or, or someone is unjust, you know, when there's a death and uh, someone's murdered or their life is taken, that their blood cries from the ground to him. So it seems to be that this place was such a horrible place that uh, there must have been some really bad, I mean, killing and murdering whatever else was going on because the the blood of people were was crying out to god the unjust deaths and people being destroyed and so this is this is where they were and so one of abraham's relatives has gotten mixed up in this place and so god in in god's really his mercy for the earth and for the people of the earth, he said, the only way that I, this is before Jesus came, y'all. This is when darkness was still very firmly in charge. And he said, I've got to intervene in this situation and wipe that out or the, the world is going to, this is it's a big deal. I got to do something. And so um, God kind of makes his plan and says, we're going we're gonna to have to destroy it. And before he did that, while he was making his plan, he had a thought. Oh, but my friend Abraham, his relative lives over there in that city. And I cannot go over and destroy that city where my friend's relative lives without talking to my friend first. And so the Bible says that the Lord came to Abraham and said to him, Look, the city where your nephew Lot lives, we're going to have to wipe that off. And so I'm just, I'm just telling you about it. And Abraham... He said, well, if you're gonna, if you're gonna do that, before you do that, let me ask you a question. If I can find, and he, and he starts playing a numbers game with God, which is very interesting. He says, if I can find, if I can find some righteous people over there, will you spare the city? It's a little plan that Abraham made, and Abraham said, um, well, yeah. If you can find, and so he started the numbers game. And he started, and he says, you know, if I can find 50 righteous over there. Um, will you spare the city? And God thought about it. And he thought, well, 50 people. Yeah, I can, I'll save the city if, there, if you can find 50 righteous people. Which is funny because I'm thinking, doesn't God know how many righteous people are there? This is a really weird situation happening. But just imagine God negotiating with a man. And he's negotiating back and forth. And then, so Abraham keeps and he says, well, wait a minute. What if we can find 45 over there? And then he keeps getting down. And he got him all the way down to 10. And then Lot gave up. I think he might have should have kept going. If we can find 10 righteous people over in Sodom, will you destroy it? God said, no, I won't. I'll save it if you can find 10 righteous over there. And so Abram went over to find the 10 righteous. Of course, he couldn't find them. And so he had to say, look, Lot, his nephew, you got to get out of here because this is destruction's coming. The Lord's told me. So Lot, his wife, Actually, it was the angel that went, not Abram. But Lot, his wife, and his daughters to bring them out. And I think you know about the story. He brought them out. The angel said, don't look back. What did Lot's wife do? She looked back. What happened to her? Pillar of salt. This is like a great lesson in Sunday school for kids. Have you all ever noticed like the Sunday school lessons are like horrific? You would never let a kid watch this movie but yet oh yeah in sunday school with the little flannel board we'll show you the salt yeah this is crazy it's really violent but anyway here we are and in this situation the reason i bring this up is because we really see a man stepping in between this whole city that's about to be destroyed and god and i'm going to tell you this man had a relationship with god through the covenant through that was you know based in the blood of animals but he was not 
he did not have anything that approaches the relationship that you and me have with God because our relationship is based on the blood of his own son. And the relationship we have with God is that he now is not just our friend, but he now has come inside of us and made us new and right. And we actually are in him and he's in us. So it's a whole different scenario. How much more do we have sway with him? How much more can we intervene? How much more can we entreat him to to do or not do something on behalf of other people? How much more can we bring someone to him and say, this is what needs to happen? How much more? Is it at least as much as what Abraham did? Would you say? Lindsay, you've been reading the Old Testament. What do you think? Is it at least as much? I'd say it's probably a whole lot more, right? And then he tells us, use this influence that I have given you with me. Use it on behalf of other people. Use it on your own lost people. Use it on behalf of of people that you know, people that are fellow believers. And in fact, even people that seem to be doing totally fine with the Lord, you should still use your influence on their behalf too. Pray for all. Pray for those who so obviously need it and those who don't. Now, the reason I'm bringing all this up today is this. You know, I, again, I hate to keep saying this, but I'm telling you, I really have a strong sense, and this is just from reading the scripture. I really have a strong sense that when people come into a relationship with me, it's a game changer in their lives. I don't mean when people come to Good News Church or when people meet Pastor Susie. I'm talking about just people knowing me, Susie Judd. It's a game changer, it's a life changer. And I don't just believe this about me. I believe this about you. If people come into... Re- here, here, Chris, where, where is it you work? What? Where, what city is it in? Jenkinsville. So she works in Jenkinsville, South Carolina. How many of y'all know where that is? What? They don't know either. It wasn't just me. Okay. She lives in Graniteville. She works in Jenkinsville. Now, I don't know what's going on in Jenkinsville and this place where she works. I don't know what's happening there. But I know this. It's a game changer for all those people because she's there. Now, see, here's the sad thing. Most of us don't think this about ourselves. Lindsay's a good example. Lindsay has this job working with a person who she describes as, give us a one-word description. She works with a Baptist Buddhist or a Buddhist Baptist. I would tell you this, Lindsay works with somebody who's very confused. <laughs> okay? But it's a game changer because he hired Lindsay. Do you understand? It's a life changer because he hired Lindsay. Now, one one thing that means is he's got the life of God sitting in the middle of his business. He's got a very strong connection to God just sitting in the cubicle right down the way. But not only that, he's got somebody who's on the case because she's on the case. And so not only is she bringing him you know, the gospel, but she's taking him to God. And he probably has never had anybody to bring him to the Lord before. Maybe he has. But there's a lot of people who've never had anybody to bring them before the Lord, to call attention to them and say, hey, here's the guy. You know, let's put it in these terms. There's a great job, primo job, huge salary benefits package. Great work environment, lots of vacation, very good um, employment. You know, looks good on your resume, but it also, it doesn't matter if it looks good on your resume because it's a good job that will be there for, from now on. All right? And you got a friend who needs a job. And the qualifications are really low. In fact, the qualifications are like the person just shows up at the job, just says, hey, choose me for the job. That's all it takes to get this incredible job. 
all right? So you go and you tell your friend about the job, but you also go to the employer and you say to the employer, I got the person that needs the job. I got the person. Choose him. Bring him. Call him. Draw him. Send out an ad to him. So you're working on both sides. Have y'all ever done this? Have you ever brokered a deal between two people? You ever been a matchmaker? What do you do when you're a matchmaker? Oh, you're really going to like him. He's really smart, good looking. He's so gentle and kind. He's good with money. He has money. He has a job. (laughs) She's so sweet. I've never heard her raise her voice. She loves, 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 loves football. And more than that, she loves when her man watches all the football he can stand. And she makes him great snacks and brings them to her man. Oh, and she's, she's good with money. She's be good with your money. <laughs> and if you've seen her mama. <laughs> so you're just back and forth. You know what I mean? And so this is the other side of coming to God on behalf of somebody. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Taking people to God. All right, everybody turn and look here, right here. It says, in our city as it is in heaven. Do y'all think in this city right now that it is as it is in heaven? Do you know people that in their lives it is not as it is in heaven? Jesus said, our Father who art in heaven, I'm doing the King James, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done in our city as it is in heaven. This is a place right here, our city. This is a place where God, he wants heaven to be here. He wants the kingdom to come here. And the kingdom comes wherever we go. But the other thing is, Jesus said we should pray that his kingdom would come and his will would be done. Father, I just lift up before you my city. This city is blessed because your people live here. This city's blessed because I'm here and you live in me. But I want to lift my city up to you. I want to lift up the businesses. I want to lift up, I want to lift up Fort Gordon to you. I want to lift up all those people who come to our city because they're serving in the military and you bring them here and you draw them here. It's not by accident that they come to Augusta. It's not by accident that they come to Fort Gordon. And Father, I don't know where else the military will take them, but I know you've brought them here and you've got a plan for them. I don't even know all their names, but I do know this. I know Jesus gave his life for them. And so I just lift those people up to you, Father. And I ask you, Father, send laborers. Send laborers. Father, I ask you to draw them to, to yourself. Draw them to Jesus. Reveal yourself to them. Father, I, I, I pray that they would come out of darkness, that the blinders that are in their eyes would be removed and that the light of the glorious gospel would shine brightly before them. The deception that they're trapped in, Father, I ask you for the truth to break through that, that they can see. So, Father, we just lift up everybody who sets foot on that base, every person that comes through there. They're coming to Augusta, Father, and this is our city. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus is here among his people. I pray that his people will just infiltrate every part, every, every part. You get, us, you get us across the pathway, Father. Get your people across the pathway of everybody that comes through there. See, it's just really pretty simple. That's our city. Does our city need Jesus? Now, you could just change that out and put your neighborhood in there. You could just change that out and you could put you know, your school, you could put your office, you could just put, you know, the people that go to your local grocery store, and you can just start praying that way, and you can just pray like that always. So before you go in the store, you could just pray for the people in the store. And so, you know, on your way to work, instead of praying, you know, see, here's the thing, we just, most, let's just be real, I'm ending the service, so I might as well just get real right here at the last moment. Most of the praying that we do is about who? It's about who? 
It's about us. So I'm just inviting all of us to actually not be so selfish with our praying and to recognize that there are people all around us who need us to pray for them. And to say, get a little little more mature idea of who we are. I'm not just here on this planet for God to bless me, to take care of me, to make me comfortable, to make me look good. Because if that is my number one goal, I should just leave and go be with Jesus. Because that's where it's really happening. There's good stuff happening there. My purpose for being here is to represent him in this world. That's why I'm here. And so I bring people to him, but I bring, I, I, I bring him to people, but I bring first, I bring the people to him. I bring the people to him in prayer and I pray for people. Now, earlier in the service, I asked you, do you know anybody? Do you know anybody? And I bet we all do. We know people that need the Lord. And, and whether they're, you know, I don't know people's spiritual condition. All I know is there's some fruit that you can see at times that seems to indicate that person is hurting. That person, whether they have a relationship with God or not, they're certainly not walking in the benefits of it. They're not living in peace. They're, they're, they're bound. They're, they're, there's darkness. There's, the curse is there. Sin and death is having its way with them. I don't know what's going on with them. It's really not my business. But I can pray. And I can pray first. I can bring them to God. So let's just take a little moment here as we end our service. And let's just pray for those people. Hallelujah. Can we do that before we go? I think it's a good way to end our year with our attention on other people. I mean, we just spent, you know, a couple days, a few days with our attention on ourselves. So let's take a moment and think about other people. Hallelujah. Let's pray together and just invite you to pray right there. You can just pray quietly, but pray.